0: Look for God, cry out for understanding, be intense in your search, be deliberate and purposeful in your search for God. Then you will discover the knowledge of God.
1: Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor teacher at Countryside Bible Church in South Lake, Texas. Hello again, I'm Bill Wright, and today Tom will continue his current series with part six of The Heart of Worship. So far throughout this series on worship, Tom has opened portions of the Old Testament and New Testament to show that God alone has the right to prescribe how He is to be worshipped. In today's message, Tom, from John's Gospel, continues with the incredible encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Just what was it about this remarkable encounter that reveals a vital point about true worship? Do you have a heart that worships both in spirit and in truth? Keep that question in mind as we join our teacher now on The Word Unleashed.
0: You want to know what God is like? Listen to Jesus. He'll explain it. He'll tell you. And here, Jesus makes an unequivocal statement about the being of God. He says, God's essence is of the nature of spirit. By the way, let me just put a little plug for theology here. Some people think, you know, theology, it has no relationship to life, doesn't matter, it's just boring stuff, it doesn't matter at all. Well, it mattered to Jesus, Jesus, in dealing with this woman who needed to know him and bow her knee to him, goes to theology and starts talking about the immaterial nature of God. Why? Because ideas have consequences. She had a bad idea about who God was and therefore it affected her worship. Don't you for a moment believe those people who say, well, theology doesn't really matter. It mattered to Christ. Now, what did Jesus mean here by saying, God is spirit well fortunately he defines it for us after his resurrection in Luke chapter 24 verse 39 he says this to his disciples see my hands and my feet that it is I myself touch me and see listen for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have when Jesus says God is spirit, he means that God doesn't have flesh and bones. God can't be touched. In his essential being, God has none of the properties that belong to matter. In the universe, there are only two kinds of existence there is matter that exists and there is the immaterial that exists so the material and the immaterial and he's saying listen God doesn't belong to the material category he belongs to the immaterial category now God can choose to make his presence known through physical phenomena so we can see him but he is still by nature a spirit and those physical manifestations are not permanent manifestations of his being So Jesus told this woman that to truly worship God, you have to know that God is spirit. Don't miss the big idea Jesus was getting across to this woman. You must have a right knowledge of God in order to truly worship God. But you also have to have a right knowledge of salvation. Look at the end of verse 22. For salvation... Is of the Jews. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is of or from the Jews. Here, Jesus probably means two things. He probably means that the Jews were the vehicle through which God revealed his salvation. Zacharias had said that about John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. He'd said in Luke 177 that John the Baptist was to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. God would use John for that purpose. But I think Jesus also means that the promised Savior, the Messiah, would be Jewish. So, get this. In verse 22, Jesus' point is that true worship must result from knowledge, knowledge of God and the knowledge of salvation. Jesus shared theology with this woman to broaden her knowledge so that she could worship. Now, how do we acquire that kind of knowledge, the kind of knowledge that allows us to truly worship God, to know God, only through a knowledge of the Word of God? Ultimately, true worship can only flow from a knowledge of the Scripture. You say, well, wait a minute. I know people who know a lot of Scripture, and they are not true worshipers. I can see it. I know it. It's obvious. Well, that's true. In fact, I've told you before, I think, that one of the most knowledgeable people in Scripture I ever met was a man who I met when I was doing prison chaplaincy work, and he was a prisoner for having killed his mother-in-law. So let me put it to you this way. You can know Scripture and not worship. Absolutely. You can know Scripture and not worship, but you can never worship without knowledge of Scripture. That is the knowledge of God as he's revealed himself in Scripture. Or to put it another way, let me say it this way, your worship will only rise as high as your knowledge of Scripture goes deep. Your worship will only rise as high as your knowledge of God as he's revealed himself in Scripture goes deep. Let me ask you this morning, do you know God or could God genuinely say about you, I have a court case against you, I have an indictment against you, I've made myself known in my word, but you haven't bothered to look. How do we come to know God in his word? Well, there's an absolutely foundational passage on this front that I want us to turn to this morning. Turn to Proverbs chapter 2 proverbs chapter 2 the book of proverbs of course is given to us by god in order to teach us how to live in the details of life in a way that pleases him and here at the beginning of this book solomon under the inspiration of the spirit lays down for us a crucial point about how to pursue god and a knowledge of god in his word now let me let me walk you through this passage proverbs chapter 2 verse 1 My son, now understand, of course, that Solomon was initially speaking these words and and codifying them in writing as training for young men. But, of course, it's appropriate for us all. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding... For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover, here it is, the knowledge of God. That's the goal. That's where we want to get. We want to know God as he's revealed himself so that we can really worship. But how do we get there? Well, I want you to see that this passage is composed as an if-then statement. Notice verse 1, if-then. Verse 3, if, verse 4, if, verse 5, then. So this promise that comes in verse 5 is conditioned on those if statements in verses 1 through 4. We will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Now those are parallel terms, fear of the Lord and knowledge of God. As one writer says, those characterize the essence of Old Testament spirituality the poles of awe of God, fear of God, and intimacy, the knowledge of God. That's what we want. We want to fear him properly, and we want to know him. Here is the essence of what we ought to be pursuing. And he says, you will, this is a promise, you will discern the fear of the Lord, and you will discover the knowledge of God. So, folks, here it is. If you and I will fulfill the if, the conditional part of this sentence, then we will discover the knowledge of God. So let's look at the condition. This is what you have to do if you want to know God as he's revealed himself in his word. Look at verse 1. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. Now here, of course, Solomon is speaking, but he's not saying that his words separate from what God has revealed is what this man should listen to instead he's saying listen I'm speaking revelation and if you respond to what I'm saying then it's as if you're responding to God so he's sort of personifying if you will uh, his words as God's words my son and notice how we're to respond if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments notice that the Search for God is not some ethereal one where you sit down with your legs crossed and curl your fingers and repeat some mantra like om. That's not how we discover God. God is found here, notice verse 1, in words and in commandments. God is found in his own revelation of himself, in words, in sentences, in phrases, in clauses, in commandments. That's where God is revealed. So you've got to receive the words. That means to welcome them, to embrace them, and you've got to treasure them. That means you consider them valuable. David said they were extremely valuable to him. You've got to treasure them. They've got to matter to you. That's the first part of the condition. Verse 2, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. In other words, you've got to really listen. You can't just pass your eyes over the words on the page and come to know God and who he is. You've got to really engage to learn who God is. Listen, incline your heart. I love that. It's like bend the ear of your heart toward God and listen. Verse 3, but understand that all of your work isn't going to really get you anywhere without God's divine intervention. Verse three, for if you cry for discernment and lift your voice for understanding, recognize you can't do this on your own. God, I want to know you. I want to know what you've said about yourself. I want to really worship you. I want to understand you. Help me to see you and what you've revealed about yourself in your word. Verse four, if your seeker is silver, And search for her as for hidden treasures. Of course, he's personifying wisdom. And wisdom, of course, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, this knowledge of God. You've got to seek her and search for her. Listen, this speaks of the intensity with which you and I are to engage in this. Don't you expect for a moment to find God in His Word as He's revealed Himself with a cursory glance. You have got to search and seek. You've got to ransack the scriptures. Let me ask you if the person you bought your house from were to send you a note and to say, listen, I'm old and unable to use the wealth that I've accumulated, and I I like you and your family, and I really want you to know that um, I want you to be the benefactor of a treasure I buried in your backyard. There's a million dollars there. It's yours for the taking. I don't remember exactly where, but it's in the backyard. I buried it there. It's about three feet deep. Now let me ask you, if you believed that person, what would be the intensity with which you would pursue that little search? You know what the intensity would be. Well, listen, folks. God has promised us that if we will search in the word of God like that, we will find an inexhaustible treasure, God himself. If we're willing to display that kind of intensity in the search. He goes on to say, Then you will discern the fear of the Lord, and you will discover the knowledge of God. You'll see God in the full portrait of who he is. How can can Solomon promise this? Well, look at verse 6, 4, because, here's why I can tell you this, it's the Lord who gives wisdom, and from his mouth, that is, the words he speaks, from the words he speaks come knowledge and understanding. He says, listen, I can promise you this will happen because it's God's words that give us these things that's how you gain the knowledge of God let me tell you something you can sit in church all your life and you can have a sincere heart that longs to worship but if you aren't willing to pursue a knowledge of God then you will never truly worship him because your your worship will only soar as high as your knowledge of God and his word goes deep That's why I want us as a church to study. That's why we learn the word of God. That's why I'm teaching you. Because this is our only hope. To truly worship, we've got to know who God is. Jesus told this woman, you don't even know that which you worship. You can't be really worshiping. This law of worship, knowledge is crucial, is perhaps the most abused one in our day. Bertrand Russell, the atheist, said this of Christians. Most Christians would rather die than think. In fact, they do. Unfortunately, he's too right. Today, we are witnessing in the church at large a massive downplaying of biblical knowledge on several fronts, while at the same time exalting the place of emotion. Now, I'm all for emotion, and we're going to talk about that in two weeks. You cannot worship God without emotion. But emotion does not constitute the worship of God. There must be knowledge. When you look at the emergent church movement, at the charismatic movement, you see this emphasis on emotion as opposed to knowledge. In fact, knowledge is downplayed. Well, you know, theology is divisive. We don't want to bring that in. Let's just gather around our experience. Jesus says, no, no, absolutely not. You see, the deadly combination in today's churches of sentimentality and no theology has led many Christians to think that sincerity alone is all it takes to make your worship acceptable to God. Others suppose that sincerity plus emotion equals true worship. If I have a sincere heart and if I'm really emotional about it, then I'm worshiping. What Jesus taught What he taught this woman and what he teaches us here is that sincerity of heart plus the right knowledge equals true worship. Now, let me bring the application closer to home. For those of us who know God, who want to worship, who are part of this church, let's make sure that we apply this truth Jesus teaches us here to our own view of worship. Let me give you just a couple of implications. Number one, worship is, is not found only in a particular mood or atmosphere. It's not the environment that makes for worship. When I was growing up, it was common in churches to see printed across the platform, Habakkuk 2.20, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Now, when I was growing up, I thought I knew what that meant. I thought that meant come in, sit down and shut up keep your mouth quiet because worship is about quiet solitude and not moving today we have the other extreme there are many who think that they haven't worshiped unless the decibel level reaches a hundred listen folks that's not what it's about worship is not dependent on a particular environment whether it's a quiet one or a noisy one Where there is a heart of worship and where there is an accurate knowledge, true worship can happen in either environment. But where there is no sincerity of heart and where there is no knowledge of God, true worship won't happen in either. It's not about mood, setting the mood of worship. You know, let's lower the lights and make everything contemplative and quiet. and That'll be worship. Or let's crank up the strobes and let's crank up the volume and that'll be worship. Listen, worship's not found at either end. Worship starts in the heart, and it grows out of knowledge of God. It's not about a mood. It's not about an atmosphere. Secondly, worship is not a feeling or an emotion. Worship is not a feeling that comes over you or an emotion you feel. Again, emotions are important in worship, but emotion alone is not worship. There are some Christians who are merely driven by emotions. And here's how they think. When they leave church, if they laughed and if they cried, if their heart was touched and warmed by a story, then they are certain that they have worshipped. Those same people are often put off by serious study of the Bible because it doesn't create that kind of emotional reaction. It seems cold and sterile to them. Listen, if that's you... I understand, I've been there. But listen to what Jesus would say to you if he was here this morning. It's the inviolable law that he shared with this Samaritan woman. True worship is not merely emotional, but must result from a knowledge of the truth. Your worship of God will soar only as high as your knowledge of God's word goes deep. A.W. Tozer wrote, The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion. And man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. Tozer goes on to say, for this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous fact about any man, this is you, the most portentous fact about you is not what you at any given time may say or do, but what you in your deep heart conceive God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. Listen, you know what Jesus is saying? The bottom line He's saying if you have a hard time worshiping, it's because you don't really understand God. You don't know God because no one, listen, no one who really encounters God, who really knows God has any consistent problem worshiping. It's just the natural reaction. You can go from cover to cover in your Bible and every time somebody encounters God, not one time do they say, well, that was an irrelevant experience. That was a boring experience when they come face to face with God they fall down and worship invariably it is a natural response and reaction to encountering the reality that is God and if you have trouble worshiping it's because you aren't really encountering God you don't understand him you don't understand him as your creator you don't understand him as the omnipotent being who holds your breath at this very moment in his hands as the God of grace who revealed himself in his son, Jesus Christ, to bring you forgiveness because of his love. And if you want to deepen your worship, if you really want to worship God truly, then you've got to deepen your knowledge of who he is. Let me encourage you to do what we we read in Proverbs chapter two. Seek the words, treasure them, Look for God. Cry out for understanding. Be intense in your search. Be deliberate and purposeful in your search for God. Then you will discover the knowledge of God. Let me encourage you as well to read some of the classics about God and about God in Scripture. Get some of the books if you don't have them. If you've read them, reread them. If you've never read them, get them and read them. Read books like A.W. Tozer's Knowledge of the Holy, That book was absolutely foundational for me as a young Christian. A.W. Pink's Attributes of God. J.I. Packer's Knowing God. Or if you really want to dig deep and read widely, read Stephen Charnock's The Existence and Attributes of God. Whatever you do, expose yourself to what the Scriptures teach about God because you will only worship as well as your knowledge of God goes deep. Jesus said to this woman, You don't even know the God you worship. May He never say that to us.
1: That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with Part 6 of The Heart of Worship. We'll have Part 7 for you on our next program. Do join us then. But Tom, before we end our time today, would you share a closing thought with us?
0: I think what we've learned today is heart-searching for all of us. It ought to prompt us to truly let the Scripture examine our hearts, to let what we've seen our Lord teach in John 4 be a mirror in which we see our own worship. Ask the Lord to examine our hearts. Can I urge you to do that? Just open up your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to see, as David prayed, if there's any way in me in my worship that causes you pain if i'm truly worshiping you in spirit and in truth as we have learned from our lord today and if not lord help me to repent and help me to pursue the kind of worship that truly pleases you
1: thanks tom and friend it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of god's word here on the word unleashed we'd love to hear your story and how god is enriching you in your walk with Christ through this ministry. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at the wordunleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at the wordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at one eight seven seven five seven seven word And remember to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed.